and thank you for joining this week's podcast with the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams. In this revelational message, the Archbishop explores the two realities, exploring our faith and how to access the blessings of God. Discover how to take your prayer life to new heights with the Archbishop's book, Prayer Moves God. Secure your copy today at ndwministries.org. Know today that this is God's word of inspiration for you. Be empowered as you listen. Lord said, my thoughts are in your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. Verse 9. It's 8 and 9. Isaiah 55. What's your problem, Bishop? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So here, God is making it clear that the way he processes, the way he thinks, the way he perceives and sees things, it's different from the way we process, the way we see, and the way we think. Then he said, he has his ways of doing things. And his ways are different from our ways. So there are two realities. There are two realities here. Man's reality or the reality on the ground and God's reality. Thank God the Bible said forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. The Bible said the grass withereth and the flower fadeth. Fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So the word of God is the word of God, no matter what time and seasons we find ourselves in. God is the God of good times, and God is still God in bad times. Nothing changes him. He was before all things. He was before all things. He existed before anything, hallelujah, that he created. And he will be here when all things passes away. He's still God no matter what. Say, I hear you. If you come with me to Genesis 41, reading from the verse 29 to 31, we want to look at a situation of the seven years of abundance and the seven years of farming in the times of Joseph. Hallelujah. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of farming, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the farming shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that farming following, for it shall be very grievous. Very grievous. And so we want to look at the different farmings from the Bible perspective. And we can also look at history over the decades and the years, how people responded to farming. But I want us to look at it as believer, as believers from the Bible perspective or point of view. In the days of farming, in the Bible days, how did they respond to let the scriptures speak to our faith and to speak to you and I as believers that as long as we live and as long as the earth remains, there will always be farming. Now, in the days of Joseph, the Bible talked about the king, Pharaoh having a dream. And uh, he could not make sense of the dream till they brought Joseph, who came and interpreted the king's dream and said, this is what your dream means. There will be 
seven years of plenty, abundance. And after the seven years of plenty, there'll be seven years of farming. And so he prescribed a solution to the days of farming, the seven years of farming. And the king said, who else can execute the plan or the prescription you brought but you, a man in whom the spirit of God dwells. And so Joseph was chosen by the, kings, by the king of Egypt, the pharaoh, the leader, that we need one like your kind, or that God may give us the Josephs of our time, men and women in whom the spirit of God dwells, that will bring the right prescription, make decisions and choices that will literally avert the sufferings of the masses that we're encountering all across the nations of our world, including ours. Say amen. And Joseph said, this is what you do. In times of abundance, you have to save and plan against the day or the years of famine. And so steps were taken. Very, very difficult and tough decisions were made by leadership to avert the famine that was in the time. And he was able to save the situation. And when the famine came, they had abundance because they had prepared against famine. Hear me. Nothing is forever. Time changes. And for those who have abundance, remember that even though you may have abundance today, a time may come when it will not always be there. But how you prepare and what you do in good times and with abundance will determine what becomes of you in times of hardship, in times of scarcity, and in times of famine. Say, I hear you. And so we need to pray that God will give us leaders like the pharaohs of those times and the Josephs, the Josephs of our time that having them the spirit of God and know what to do in difficult times like this. But the decision must be taken before the difficult time. That was what happened in the days of Joseph. They did not wait for hardship. They didn't wait for tough time. They did not wait for the farming before they acted. They acted before the farming. May we act before crisis time. May we act before times of scarcity. In the name of Jesus, praying that we will take decisions and make choices today that will avert any form of danger that is in the womb of time where our families and our nations are concerned. Say, I hear you. And so realize that the key in the times of abundance is to plan for the times of famine. And then we want to also look at what happens in times of famine. What did they do in times of famine? What do we do in the times of famine? Do we hold back? Do we hold? Do we save? Or what do we do? It's very clear that in the times of famine, we sow to survive. We sow in times of farming a scarcity. We sow for sustenance. We sow for preservation. We sow to live and not to die. And we'll see some examples that those who didn't sow and did otherwise didn't make it. But those who realized and understood and like the sons of Issachar knew what to do and did the right thing, they survived, they made it. 
and you will also make it. Please understand that the days of abundance were seven years, a cycle, and the days of farming were seven years. We stand to reason that there is no farming that is permanent, neither is there any abundance that is permanent without planning. Put your hands together and say, I hear you. The seven years here is very significant because if you look at the scriptures, the woman of, the Shunammite woman was told by the prophet, this was a very interesting situation because uh, men's inability to manage things properly can cause and bring about a famine. If you look at the case of Pharaoh and, and Joseph in Egypt, but for Joseph and the prescription God gave him, there would have been a serious scarcity and crisis for Egypt if Joseph hadn't come on the scene to plan against the famine, they wouldn't have survived. And so that happens, that when things are not managed and handled well, crisis and times of scarcity and famine like we find ourselves in and many nations find themselves in, we will be unable to manage the situation. And Joseph said that the famine will be very grievous and men and women will forget the days of plenty and abundance. And so these are the steps or decisions or choices that must be made. Tough decisions if you study the scriptures carefully. But he had to implement them to be able to save the entire citizen of the nation of Egypt in those days. How we covet and need that in our times like never before. Say amen. But the, he said that the famine and the abundance both will last for seven years interval, seven years. And seven is the end of a cycle. Now in the case of the Shunammite woman, the prophet said that the Lord is calling famine. The Lord is bringing famine to the land. And God can call a famine. A man of God can also call for famine and enforce famine, like in the case of Elijah. He stepped out and said, three years and six months, it shall be no rain according to my word. I shut the heavens and I declare between now and doing impact and after, let there be no rain in the name of Jesus. Put your hands together and say amen to that. Oh, I'm not feeling your prayers at all. I'm not feeling your agreement at all. No rain between now, impact and after in the name of Jesus. Say amen. And so that decision and declaration he made brought famine to the land for over three solid years. But God preserved, he preserved his own. The Bible said, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Nevertheless, let everyone that never the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So the Lord preserved the prophet by the brook, the ravens, and now the woman of Zarephath, the widow of Zarephath. He could have sent the prophet to the king of Israel. He could have even used Jezebel because Jezebel fed the false prophets at the king's table. He fed them. She fed them. So God could have used the king. But God wanted to preserve the widow because even though the widow believed in God, the only way to sustain and to preserve her was to give her an opportunity to prove God for herself was to give her an opportunity to give out of her last meal, was to give her an opportunity to prove God, to put God to a test and to give out of her poverty so that she will be sustained. 
and live and not die. That is the key. In the times of farming, we sow, we don't hold back, we don't save. In the times of farming, we put God to a test. In the times of farming, we prove God. In the times of farming, we take God at his word because there is no other alternative, ladies and gentlemen. No other way. And there's no middle ground. It's either you believe God or you don't believe God. In times of farming, we know who are true believers and who are unbelievers. Believing the word of God in times of scarcity makes you a believer. And not believing also reveals who you are. These are the days of true believers standing up to prove that they are believers. See, I hear you. So after seven days, after seven years, the farming ended. The cycle came to an end and the Shunammite woman returned and she had plenty and abundance when she came back when the cycle of farming was ended. If you look at the case of Elijah, Elijah he had declared three and a half years no rain. But when he went to the top of the mountain to pray, he prayed for seven times to end the cycle of famine, <clears throat> to bring to an end the drought. And every time he prayed and he traveled, every, one, every time he prevailed was one solid year. He prayed seven different times. And every one time an attempt he made, the first time was a year, second time another two years, third time three, through seven times which covered the seven years to end that cycle in order for abundance of rain to come to the land. We pray that this cycle that we find ourselves in as a country and the nation will come to an end. In the name of Jesus, put your hands together and say, come to an end. Let the cycle end. Every cycle comes to an end and we can enforce a change and an end of this vicious cycle that keep plaguing us as a nation and so many other countries. See, I hear you. So keep that in mind. It's so very important. Now we want to look at Abraham. In the days of Abraham, there was farming, the father of faith. He faced farming in his days and he acted in fear and not in faith. And the Bible says anything that is done without faith is sin. He acted in fear and the, the consequence was too high. He went into Egypt because of fear of, of food security. And he ended up in Egypt, almost lost his wife. And came back from Egypt with a burden, with a weight, with a situation that is still plaguing his children and his ancestors up to today because he acted in fear and not in faith. So in times of famine and scarcity, one of the things we should be very careful of and we must address and confront is our fear. Our fear of food security. Fear of what will become of us and what will happen of us if we don't do something about the situation. And most times, anything you do outside of faith in times of scarcity, in time of famine, remember, is sin. Anything we do without faith is sin. In times of famine and scarcity, we need to believe God than ever before. We need to know that farming is not permanent, but the word of God is. And that God is still able to make a way 
where there is no way. He said, I am the God. I make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the deserts. Say, I hear you. God can make a way where there is no way. All things are possible to him that believeth. And with God, nothing shall be impossible. If you believe it, put your hands together and say, I believe. Genesis 12. Genesis 12. From verse 10 to 13. Genesis 12. And there was a famine in the land. And Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there. This was the days of the father of faith. So they've always been farming in the days of the Bible. And there will always be. The issue is not the farming. It's how we respond to the farming and what we do in the days of farming. Whether we will still be believers and still believe God. Whether the word of God will still be relevant even in times of scarcity and in times of famine. Or when there is famine, our faith will change and we'll begin to believe something else. Whose report will you believe? Unto whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? We either believe or we don't believe. There is no middle ground. Go ahead. For the famine was very grievous in the land. Very grievous, tough, difficult, hard. I was telling them the other day, he said, when the rich cut coals, the poor gets pneumonia. Very grievous. And this is very tough. Uh, this one is this one is heavy, but it will keep happening as long as the earth remains, and men stay in office of authority and governance. We always face situation, and God Himself can call famine at His pleasure, that men may know that the heavens do ruin the affairs of men, that men will know their limitations, and that men and women will humble themselves and stop being proud and arrogant, that men will know their limitations. That men will know that their wisdom and their ability has limitations. And that was what happened to Pharaoh of Egypt. He realized that even though he was Pharaoh, he was king of Egypt. And he has all the armies and the chariots and everything that not make sense. And nothing to address the situation. But a young Hebrew slave in whom the spirit of God dwells was the one who brought the prescription and the solution to the situation to save the dangers and the challenges that lied ahead of a country. Put your hands together. Hallelujah. So, let's see what Abraham did in the times of famine in his days. Go ahead. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. Take time and read the whole thing. I don't want to go too much into it. So you, you just take time and read it. But what, this was what happened. He lied, the father of faith. And the first time we hear about prophet in the Bible was in the book of Genesis 20 when God said to Abimelech, return the man's wife to him. The king didn't know that Sarah was a wife. So return his wife, return the man's wife for he's a prophet. And yet the prophet lied. It's another matter we have to tackle another time. The difference between prophets who are genuine prophets and lie and have a character default and false prophets. 
They are two different things. And we need clarity so we don't mix the two. Because there are genuine prophets who have character issues, but they are still prophets of God. And then there are false prophets who has in them spirit of divination and familiar spirit. You have to be able to draw the line between those two so you don't mix the whole thing up. See, I hear you. And so here Abraham went into the land of Egypt for fear. 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 Was afraid and went for food security. And the rest is history if you take your time to study. That move out of fear created all kinds of problems that his descendants are still dealing with it up to today. Come with me to the book of Ruth, chapter 1, from 1 to 5. Naomi, husband, and two sons. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Another famine again. And this time the famine was in the house of bread. Bethlehem, the house of bread. So sometimes you can be in a place, a church, you can be in a land, a nation, a community where there's abundance and plenty and then suddenly something happens and scarcity hits you. Difficulties come, challenges come, complications. Everything becomes tough, difficult and hard. In those times and moments, you need to know God and hear God and you need to operate in faith as never before. And one thing you must never do in times of famine and scarcity is to operate in fear. Go ahead. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Alimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons Malon and Chilon, Ephraimites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilon died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Now, if you look at this situation carefully, um, you realize that they went from the land or the house of bread because of fear. Fear of food security and what will happen if they didn't do something. And I don't personally believe if you study the scripture carefully that they heard from God. It was an emotional decision. It was a decision based on the reality of the time. So in times of famine, in difficult situations like we find ourselves in, one have to be very, very careful of the choices we make. We have to be very careful of the decisions we take because it has serious uh, implications or consequence if we don't hear from God in times of scarcity, challenging times, difficult times like we find ourselves in. And that was what these man and his wife and his two sons did. They sold everything they had and they left. But Boaz was related to Naomi's husband, but he didn't leave the land. For whatever reason, he stayed in the land till bread returned, till abundance came. But they left out of fear, like Abraham did, the land. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't leave the land. If God tells you to leave the land, like the Shunammite woman, then do so. But don't make a move out of fear. Don't take any decision because of fear and also because of food security. Because you could miss it 
and create so much problems and complication for yourself. The Bible didn't tell us what happened to the husband when they left the house of bread, Bethlehem, but he passed. He died. And then the two sons died. And Naomi was left with just two of her daughters-in-law. And one decided to leave and one decided to stay with her. And after many years, she returned to the same place where there was famine. At this time, bread had come back. At this time, abundance had returned. And he had to come back to where she left. There was a possibility if they have stayed, she wouldn't have lost her husband or her two sons. But it did happen because they acted in fear and not in faith. And when we act in fear, the implications and the consequences are very, very difficult and painful. Somebody say, I hear you. Uh, look at Ruth 1 and 6. Chapter 1, verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law mm -hmm. that she might return from the country of Moab. Mm -hmm. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. And give, listen, bread will come back again. Oh, oh tell somebody, bread will come back. Bread will come back. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Tell somebody, God will give us bread again. He will give us bread. He, he said, pray, pray. He said, give us this day our daily bread. God will give us our daily bread. If you believe that, put your hands together and say, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. God gave bread to the land. Bread returned to the house of bread. Yeah. And Ruth said, you're my mother-in-law. If my husband was alive, I wouldn't let you go alone. I would have gone with you with, with my husband. And now that he's not here, I'm not leaving the old lady alone. I'm going with you. And, and what you must learn here was that her destiny, her future was connected to the mother-in-law. There was no way she would have met Boaz and married Boaz if she hadn't followed the mother-in-law. Committing to the mother-in-law, putting aside her own needs and desires, and putting her mother-in-law first and saying, my commitment is to you to make sure you survive. I'm not leaving you to travel from the land of Moab alone to Bethlehem. I'm going with you all the way. It was in that her destiny was revealed and discovered. Put your hands together and thank God for commitment. Now, come to Genesis 26. Let's see what Isaac did in his time. In the days of Isaac, there was famine. And famine is something that will always confront us. I was telling them the other day, I said in 1983, there was a strong famine in Ghana and there was something we call yellow corn and yellow kenke that we have to queue for. In those days, tough times, difficult situation. I remember them very, very carefully, but God provided. I said, but God provided. Uh, you didn't hear me. I said, but God provided. One more time, I said, but God provided. Times were so tough and difficult that some of our brethren and Ghanaians were repatriated by some of our neighboring countries to come back home. Many died. Tough times. Tough situation. But God helped us. And the God of heaven shall remember us for good one more time. Put your hands together if you believe that. So let's look at Isaac. Genesis 26, 1 to 3. And there was a famine in the land, 
beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So apart from the famine in the days of Abraham, now there was another famine in the days of Isaac. Go ahead. And Isaac went unto Abimelech king of the Philistines unto Gerah. Mm -hmm. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Mm -hmm. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and I will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath that which I swore unto Abraham thy father. So Isaac was making the same mistake his father made. And God appeared to him and said, no, 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 no. Don't do what the old man did. I have a better plan. You stay in the land where the famine is. And don't have a security mentality. One of the problems in times of scarcity and famine is that we all begin to develop security mentality instead of abundance mentality. So instead of us to believe God for abundance and plenty, we start saving, holding onto the little we have in times of scarcity. And when you don't sow, in times of scarcity, you die. And look at, look at what Isaac did. Look at what Isaac did. Come to Genesis 26, verse 12 to 14. Then Isaac sowed in, the, in that land mm -hmm. and received in the same year an hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man was great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks and possessions of heads and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. You see, so look at the example of Isaac. Now, how do you sow in the time of drought? Because it wasn't raining. The land was not dealt with. It was a barren land. He hadn't broken the land. And yet, God said, if you sow in famine, I'll blow your mind. If you sow in farming, I will guarantee you harvest in the mix of the drought, in the mix of the farming. So that is the principle of God. It's the principle of God that in the time of farming, we don't hold back. We prove God. We put him to a test by taking him at his word and believing God that there's no other way but God. Say, no other way but God. Look at somebody and say, but God, but God, but God, but God, but God. That is what makes a difference between believers and unbelievers in times of scarcity and in times of famine. You prove God. If you look at the, if you look at the book of Malachi, when he said, prove me now, he said it at a very difficult time. It was another time of famine. They were in crisis situation. People were hoarding. They were holding back. They were afraid of giving. They had too many issues and complications. And God came on the scene and said, I know the situation. I understand what you are dealing with. I need you to prove me, put me to a test. That in the mix of this crisis, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that in the mix of scarcity, you have more than enough. And that is what makes the difference. When the Bible says, when men are cast down, then shall thou say there is a lifting up. How can you say there is a lifting up if you haven't experienced a lifting up in the mix of scarcity? Yeah. Those who know their God will be strong and they will do exploits. See, I hear you. David said the other day, I have been young and now I'm old. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. It's an experience. The Bible said, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
If you haven't tasted, you have no experience of what it is like. And David said, I've tasted this. I've proven it for myself. I've put God to a test. How do you put God to a test? In times like this, when nothing makes sense, when everything is falling apart. Yeah. That is when you prove God for yourself. That is when you put God to a test. And then you can stand and tell generations to come and your children, your grandchildren, that I know him. I know him. When, when Job said, I know in whom I believe, he was referring to an experience he had had. He said, I know this God. It's not about what I read or what I'm told. I know him. Why? I've experienced him. I have an encounter of this God. He's able. Put your hands together and say he's able. You, you are sleeping. Clap for Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. You see, so God is giving us an opportunity. It's a test time. It's a time of testing of our faith. It's a test of our faith, a test of our love, a test of our character. The times, the times we find ourselves in puts our faith, our love, and our character in God to a test. You pass this test in the name of Jesus. Oh, I see you graduating with brighter colors. If you believe it, put your hands together. Yeah, 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 yeah. You pass. I see you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amen. Isaac did not follow his father. He didn't act in fear. He acted in faith. Naomi and the husband acted in fear. And Abraham. And the consequence was too much. I just pray that no matter how difficult and tough the situation is and may be, let nothing take us out of the will of God. Amen. Let nothing take us away from the house of bread. It doesn't matter what the difficulties may be right now in Bethel, in the house of bread in Bethlehem. Bread will come again. Bread will return again. And you know, sometimes when people leave a good church like this, you know, you are trying to convince them to come back. They say things like, you know something? Leave me alone. I've moved on. I've moved on. I've moved on. Hear me? You can move on, but don't burn bridges. Because you never know who you will need tomorrow and who will come to your aid tomorrow. So even though you move on, maintain contacts. Still stay connected. Don't destroy and bend down bridges because you never know who you are going to need tomorrow. Put your hands together and thank God for that. <laughs> Naomi maintained contact with the house of bread, Bethlehem, and came back again and was able to reconnect to her roots and by divine interventions and calculations of God. Ruth ended up with Boaz that blessed her and changed her life and Boaz redeemed and bought back the land they sold and everything and restored them. Come with me to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 8 to 12. 1 Kings 17, 8 to 12. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Arise. Arise. Get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon. And dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. You see, he didn't say I have commanded a king. There were rich people 
in the land. There were people with so much substance and God could have led the prophet to anybody. And he said, no, I'm sending you to a widow because I want this widow to live and not die. I don't want the son to die and I don't want the mother to die. And the only way I can preserve them is for her to give out of her last meal, out of her poverty. If she can so out of the poverty, I will prove myself in her life. It's a principle. Yes, sir. It's a principle of God that works. And when we talk about proving God, it's not only for the poor. It's also for those who have money. Because money has a way of making you believe and think that you don't need God. It's another deception. And God is saying, even though you may have money, you still need to prove me. You have to prove me that I am bigger than money and I am better than money. And I can do for you what money cannot do. Yes, sir. If you believe, I put your hands together. Yeah. Go ahead, Bishop. Mm -hmm. so, so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow woman was there gathering, gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a the vessel. The first thing he asked for was water because the brook had dried up. He was thirsty. So he said, I need water. I have to drink some water. I need, I need water. I need to stay alive. I'm dehydrated. Get me some water. And then go ahead, verse 2. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a muscle of bread in thine hand. Mm -hmm. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have no, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in to and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Go to 13. We may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said. The first thing you have to be careful of in times of scarcity and famine is fear. Tell somebody, be careful of fear. Be careful of fear. Tell somebody, be not, be not afraid. Tell somebody, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Yeah, it's the first thing you have to guide and be careful of fear. 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 The enemy will make you believe that this is the end. There's no way out. We are, we are finished. And I pray that in these difficult times in the, in the history of Ghana, that no one shall be provoked. Because the Bible said the anger of man worketh not the righteousness of God. I just pray that there will be no intervention of man that cannot solve our problem but will take the clock of Ghana back. Let there be no such situation in the history of this country. But let there be an intervention from God. A divine intervention. Somebody put your hands together and say divine intervention. Put your hands together and say divine intervention. Divine intervention. The anger of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Where we are right now is going to take a divine intervention. No man or woman can solve this problem. I'm telling you. Nobody can fix this thing. And it has to be managed by heavenly wisdom. Because if it's not well managed and people try through the frustration and the sufferings of the masses and anger and emotions to prove a point it could throw us back many decades and I pray that we will go forward and that we will not retreat put your hands together and thank God for that
fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it to me. And after, and you see, after, you see, from my human thinking, I really have a problem with that. I do. I used to struggle with that a lot. This is a widow. She has her last meal. And she's told you that this is her last meal. And she and her son will die, eat and die. Then you, you come up in the name of I'm a prophet. Having the audacity, you didn't even consider the woman and the son. At least even consider the son. Say that, okay, do feed your son and then do something for me and then yourself. But you had the audacity to say, fix me first to eat. Out of your last minute, give me first to eat. How insensitive are you, man of God? I have a serious problem with that till, till many years after. And I realized that it's a principle that in farming and in times of scarcity, the only way God can keep you alive for you to live and not die is to sow out of your last meal and sow out of your poverty because without that, there is no way God can help you. He can't help you. That's why he didn't send the prophet to the king because the king had abundance. The king didn't need the prophet because he had abundance. The woman prayed and said, God, I don't want to die. I don't want to lose my son. Do something. And God said, you have to follow the rules of engagement. The only way the rules of engagement which are put in place allows me to keep you and your son alive and not to die is to give out of your last meal and give out of your poverty. Still put me to a test. Prove me with your little and your last meal and see if I will not prove myself. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a principle. I, 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 I wish I could change it, but I can't do it. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. I can't change these principles. But I, I had issues with the man of God. I felt he was, he was desensitized. He didn't feel for the widow, nor for the, the, the child. But that was the right thing to do under the circumstance. It was a tough one, but the woman has to choose to believe or not to believe. She acted upon the word of God that came from the mouth of the man of God. And look at what happened. Go ahead. So, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it to first, me. First, seek ye first the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Seek ye first God's business and kingdom. And all these shall be added unto you. Go ahead. And after make for thee and for thy son. He said, take care of me first. Forget about yourself. Be selfless. Stop thinking about yourself. Think about me first. Hey. Man of God, why? I should think about you first. With my last meal. And you are the cause of all this foolishness. You are the cause of the suffering and the hardship in the land. And you have the audacity to tell me I should feed you first. Before me and my son. Turn to somebody and say, it is what it is. It is what it is. Tell somebody, God doesn't sympathize. God doesn't sympathize. With your emotions. With your sufferings. But his word, his word. It's what he watches over to perform. His, word. his word. Perform. If you act on the word, God is committed to you. Go ahead. For thus saith the Lord so, God of so, Israel. See, here, that, that, that's what the key is. For what? Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. For that, 
says the Lord. Did he say that says the prophet? No. He said that says the Lord God of Israel. That says the Lord God of Israel. That says the Lord God of Israel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. She acted on the word. Tell somebody, act on the word. Tell somebody, these are the days of taking God at his word like never before. These are the days of believing God than never before. Go ahead. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, uh -huh. the barrel of meal shall not waste, That's it. neither shall the cruise of oil fail, uh -huh. until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail. According to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. She acted on the word. Tell somebody, act on the word. Act on the word. Tell somebody, don't move away from the word. Don't move away from the word. Yeah, irrespective of the scarcity, the challenges, the difficulty, it's tough. I feel it all over. You got to act on the word. And few things you must learn. Be careful of fear. Say, be careful of fear. Be careful of fear. fear will make you lose it. Fear will cause you to miss your future and your destiny. Fear will cause you and compel you to seed your destiny and the destiny of your children and generations yet unborn to the enemy. Don't be afraid. Tell somebody, don't be afraid. Yeah, I know, I know, I know it's very, it's very fearful. It is. It is. Sometimes when I hear some of the things, people send me tapes, I'm reading things, I'm hearing things, and, and, and it's very fearing. It is. And I have to keep speaking the word to myself over and over again to, 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 to rise up and to come up. It is. It, it is very worrying. It's very, it's very worrying. I'm telling you. And very provoking. But you got to choose God's way and not man's way. Because the wrath of man, the anger of man, the provocation of man does not work the righteousness of God. God has a way of dealing with things different from we do. And sometimes man takes things into their own hand to fix it and it creates more complications. But if we just let God have his way, God does it better than you and I. Oh yes, I've seen God do it. He does it better than you and I. Tell somebody he can do it better, 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 better than you and I. Say yes. And God provided for the woman of Zarephath, the widow. She was preserved and kept. She and the son, when they took God at his word, and acted in faith and not in fear. Number two, in times of scarcity, be careful of your thoughts. Tell somebody your thoughts, your thoughts. The way you think, the way you think. And right now, some of the thinking don't make sense because of this, the scarcity, the sufferings, the sufferings, the price of commodities. Everything is out of control. In the land. And he said. And you got to master your thoughts. You got to take charge and control of your thinking. Because if you don't watch it. 
you can get out of control. It can lead to many things. Number three, you got to watch what you say. What you say. Because whilst I was in London, about a week ago, some bishops and pastors came to talk to me and their words were so toxic. And I said, what is going on here? Then I came to Ghana and I'm hearing the same thing all over the place and, and it's so toxic and it breaks my heart. It saddens my heart because I'm not hearing, I'm not hearing the word. There's no word anymore. It's like, it's like the word of God has disappeared from our mind and from our mouth and from our heart. This book of the Lord shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. I'm speaking as a believer. I'm not just speaking as a Ghanaian. I'm speaking as a believer. That as a believer, irrespective of the situation, the word of God must never depart from our mouth. We can't just be talking like the world talks. We can't just be saying what the world is saying. We are cursing our atmosphere. We are cursing our environment we are we are we are making the environment toxic i'm just telling you i don't have privileges better than you it's the same situation we are all in we are all here as Ghanaians. the only privileges i have is the manifestation and the faithfulness of his promise. When I remember his promises, I shout hallelujah. When I remember, remember his, his promises, promises, I, I shout, shout hallelujah. When I remember his promises, I 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 shout hallelujah. Forever. Oh Lord. Yeah, that is settled. It is settled. Forever, forever, forever. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Thy, Thy word, word is settled. It is settled. Hallelujah forever, forever, oh Lord, Again. It's true, oh yes, 
situation we find ourselves in gives us the opportunity to try him, to test him and to trust to bring us to a place of knowing you can never come to the place of knowing until you've trusted put him to a try until you've tested him for yourself you never know you never know it's true I was dealing with a situation the other time and one of my sons, very, very sharp in the prophetic, he came to me and gave me the word from the Lord and I didn't feel peace about what he said. But I had a green light about the witness of my spirit to take another decision different from what he was telling me. And he said, Papa, this is the word of the Lord. And I said, I hear you. I know. Thank you, sir. And I didn't follow what he said. I followed the witness of my spirit because I had a green light to take a different decision for what he was telling me was the word of the Lord. And the reason why I follow that green light is because it has always worked for me and helped me anytime I follow the witness of my spirit. Sometimes I'll be going through situations and everything on the outside looks bad. But in the inside, I have the green light. I have peace. And I have the witness of the spirit that it shall be well. But everything on the outside looks bad. Everything is falling apart. But in the inside, the spirit, the spirit comes my spirit and gives me the assurance that it shall be well. And therefore, I shut everything up on the outside. And I block anything that comes from the outside contrary to the witness of my spirit. And so I took another decision. And after I told him, I said, son, we see in parts. We prophesied in parts. And I said, I didn't do what you said because you didn't hear right. I said, you missed it this time. But I'm not calling you a false prophet. Sometimes prophets miss it. We have to be very careful that sometimes we don't treat prophets as if they are God. They are human. Don't treat them as God. Don't let any prophet play God in your life because it's very dangerous. So he's still my son. I love him. I deal with him. I was with him yesterday. And he said some things the other day which were very accurate. But this particular one, he missed it. And it was a very cruel, it was a very serious decision that I had to take. A lot of things was hanging on this decision. And the, 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 the accurate and safest way for me to make the choice was to follow the witness of my spirit. That was it. The witness of my spirit. That was how I did it. And, and, and I've come to that because I've seen situations that were so bad 
so complicated in the natural when everything was falling apart. But the spirit was saying, be still and know that I'm God. There was one time I was dealing with the situation and God wouldn't speak. He wouldn't say anything. And I wasn't hearing from anybody and from God. There was no word. Then in the midst of the crisis, when everybody was panicking around me, I heard the still voice of God, but it came through a song. And he said, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know There was no prophecy. There was no prophetic word. He will not say anything. But that still, it came so still in my spirit. And I heard that song over and over and over again. And I got the message. I said, okay. I hear you, Lord. I will be still. Against all contradictions. And against all the odds, and all the voices speaking, and all the agitations and the provocations, that people wanted me to act, take a decision, do something. Papa, don't you see what's the papa, 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 papa? I was calm and still in the midst of it all. And I say, hold your peace, I hear you. Hold your peace. When will you act? I will let you know. What do we do? Nothing. And my flesh, my flesh was agitating me. My emotions were agitating. My thoughts and the voices all over. Papa, Papa, do something, do something, do something. And the spirit said, be still and know that I am God. I be still and know that I Representations, speculations, receiving calls from everywhere. Have you heard? People were sending me text videos. Papa, do something. And the Holy Spirit said to my spirit. He spoke to my spirit, and my spirit spoke to me and said, Son, be still about this. Don't do anything. It's in my hand. Just leave it. Don't touch it. I'll fix it. In the matters of days, what seems to be impossible, suddenly it turns around. I know, I know, yeah, I know that Jesus is my Savior. I know. Say 
sometimes you don't have to do anything about it. But it hurts. It hurts. I was feeling the pain. I was feeling the pain. And, and in my flesh, I wanted to say something. I wanted to do something. Prove something. Act. That made sense in the natural. And I heard the Holy Spirit speaking to my spirit. And my spirit saying to me, son, this is not something you can do anything about. Whatever you try to do, you complicate things. Leave it alone. We know you are blessed by that word of God and look forward to you joining the messages of the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams again. For more information on our events, books, and messages, please visit NDW Ministries online at www.ndwministries.org or call our offices on plus one eight seven seven three six one five one one one. Once again, thank you for joining the Archbishop today and may you continue to experience the life-transforming power of God's blessings.